0: This is the United Squid Podcast. I'm Cyrus, and we have a lot to talk about today. And today we are joined by a very special guest whose name is Dylan. This is Dylan from debonairdylan.com. Dylan, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And you? I'm doing just fine. It's great to have you. And uh, we were just talking before the podcast about a lot of different things. And actually, Dylan and I were talking for over 40 minutes when I said, hey, we need to start recording this because this is gold. And uh, we were talking about things like the economy, things like different regional beliefs. And I thought we should just begin, since you have a lot of research into economic situations around the world, what's your take on the unemployment rate right now in the U.S. since it's, you know, we've got over 30 million jobless claims so far and at record high unemployment levels.
1: Um, I think that it's sort of interesting because yes, it's really high, we also know that some of that is um i don't want to use the word artificial but it should be temporary you know most people a lot of people their work is closed if you have a job where you know you are doing something face to face with people in a lot of states you can't do your job um and so that's one thing that's driving the unemployment rate really high very quickly Uh, And that's part of the reason you also see people protesting that they want to go back to work because money's running out uh, and they want to be back at their job. Um, I don't know if anyone's done a study on it, but it could be very interesting if we see, you know, so at least antidotically from like what I see on my Facebook and social media, people who have jobs that they can do from home um, or are still getting paid, they are very supportive of, yeah, continue the lockdown People who aren't getting paid, they don't have jobs they can do from home, they generally want the economy to open back up and for them to have work again.
0: Now, when the economy does open back up, though, do you think these people even have a job to go back to? Because I've seen like Hertz has laid off uh, 10,000 people last month. You've got Mm -hmm. restaurants like Cheesecake Factory that are struggling to make the mortgage. A lot of these jobs, I'm not as confident that they're even gonna be available anymore what do you think
1: uh i'm guessing about half will be gone (laughs) which is better than it currently is i think we're going to see a big spike of people and i just pulled half out of the air i think we're going to see a big spike of people come back to work because they still have jobs um and yeah the unemployment rate will still be high but i imagine as soon as the economy reopens there will be a large number of people going back to work and that over time the uh, unemployment rate will continue to drop. Okay.
0: All right. So you're fairly optimistic.
1: Fairly. I'm fairly optimistic that a large number of people will still have a job, okay. particularly um, people in the trades because these things still need to get done. You know, construction projects can't be halted forever. Um, some states have started allowing small m- numbers of people to work on construction sites um it's more the service jobs that are going to get pit yeah definitely it's uh, more the service jobs that are just going to be gone
0: now I will want to preface all of this by just letting everybody know that neither Dylan nor myself are experts in these fields we're just two guys shooting the breeze and our perceptions are just what they are. They're just our perceptions. They're just our opinions. And our opinions change daily with the facts. I will say I'm a little less optimistic than you. You always uh, are. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and, you know, one day we can go into that, uh, maybe even a little bit today, but I would say, uh, I, I'm looking at a economic downturn that will make 2008 look like, you know, a game of patty cake by comparison, but that's just my opinion. Now, that doesn't I, mean, I, I, I do feel like people should never panic, just period. In any situation, don't panic. And I do think with everything in life, it depends on what you mean by temporary. Does temporary mean two to five years? Because two to five years is temporary, too. Yeah. Um, you know, so in the grand scheme of things, any, everything's temporary. Um, but it just depends on what's, what degree uh, you're looking at i think it's going to be a little longer but i also agree that it is temporary
1: but we'll see now well, i think that agreed. we're looking at a range that in the worst case we're probably looking at you know something a global version of japan's lost decade right where there's I no know, real oh, that's... economic growth um where you know there's maybe a little bit of stagflation Um, I think that's the worst case we're looking at is that, you know, uh, the 2020s were kind of a global lost decade. I think the best case scenario is we're looking at a V-style recovery, which, you know, you can kind of see where people are saying that, you know, it it went down very quickly, and now we're starting to see a market recovery very quickly, and that we might see the same thing with uh, with the general economy. Once things loosen up, once things start to get back to normal you know, jobs, employment will come back very quickly. Those are the two extremes I feel for this situation. And we're probably looking at something in between where, yeah. you know, we will have slow but rapid growth maybe in two or three years. Okay. Yeah. I think that's fair.
0: Uh, well, I'm, I'd be more on the three-year side of things, but um, I'd also say I'm more of the mind of it being like a U shape, not necessarily V And although I've heard people joke and say that it's an L shape, that might be a little too pessimistic. But you mentioned it being a lost decade, similar to Japan, but on a global scale. I think that is a very useful way or a very pragmatic way of looking at it. And I think that's fair. When you say something like that, I think it puts it into perspective, where if anybody's expecting it to just quickly rebound for the long term, I think they need to buckle in and prepare for it to be a little longer and I think a decade is a good uh you know some people might say it's a worst case scenario idea technically it's not that's not even close to being worst case but people should look at these things in terms of five or ten years you know big picture
1: um not so much this this virus didn't end up being its worst case scenario anyways yeah yeah so far
0: Uh, although I would agree with that as well. I've been mentioning that to people, um, that the numbers aren't as bad as they were predicted to be. That doesn't mean that the numbers are good either. Now, on the other hand, I will say economically speaking though, I think the numbers have been technically worse than predicted. So I was talking to some people working in the financial industry about a month ago. And I said, I thought oil could go, below zero a uh, a barrel and they thought that was way too pessimistic of a prediction they were saying they they would compromise with me and say it might go as low as ten dollars a barrel but they weren't going to go anywhere below that Uh, so you I mean you see predictions left and right that don't pan out and I would say without some of the stimulus and other things like that that are going on right now that are kind of lifting up the economy um, where do you think it would Be without intervention.
1: Um, I don't. I think that when the stock, at least for the stock market, because I follow the stock market more, not living in the U.S., um, Mm -hmm. I think that the the pumping money in didn't actually do very much because people were not selling on fundamentals. This was a case of people selling on feeling. You know, they were. There's this saying that people buy on news and you know, sell on crisis, right? Is that people were in such a crisis, people were moving towards uh, safe havens, people were just trying to move into cash and be more liquid, that I'm not sure an intervention did very much. That on paper it should have done more than it actually happened. So I think that when when there's a crisis, the main thing driving people is the crisis itself people are reacting off of fear and panic and a few people are acting off of greed so i think that when we talk about stimuluses in the stock market i think that they don't actually do as much as they should because people are reacting to their emotions more than anything
0: i do think the emotional aspect of of the economy is an important one that gets overlooked because some people look at it as a science um, when a lot of it isn't really based on any kind of rational feeling that we would equate to science. (laughs) It's based (laughs) on emotions, like you said. However, I do think the stimulus has helped a little bit in that we also saw oil go below a barrel again, you know uh, just recently. So it's not just that one one one-off thing and yet we see the stocks going up. At the same time
1: so it's, it's it feels a bit artificial the growth at the moment I mean, it's also there's a chance that some of it is just decoupling oh you mean with that, uh different countries that, such as china or well so not just between countries but between commodities mm. so people have all of these rules in their head about like well when the stock does this this happens to this commodity but these rules don't really happen all the time. Um, So for example, you know, I collect silver coins and I find that very Mm -hmm. interesting. There's a lot of people who they have it dead set in their mind that, oh, when the stock market tanks, the price of silver is going to shoot up. That doesn't happen very often. It can happen, but it doesn't happen very often. We look at this last time. Silver and gold and pretty much every commodity even cryptocurrencies went down. People have this model in their head: oh, well, when the stock market goes down, the value of cryptocurrency is going to go up. And it's more that the emotion is ruling people. Everybody's afraid, so they're trying to move towards cash. That's sort of my take on it. And the fact that oil goes, you know, below um, doesn't hold as much emotional weight the second time it happens. And that there's also, you know, actions happening in the economy that maybe aren't as dependent on oil. There's lots of businesses who it's good for them that oil's cheap. You know, there's other businesses where it's bad for them that oil's cheap. There's always a winner and a loser. And maybe falling oil prices just produced more winners that time.
0: Now, you mentioned liquidity earlier, and it's kind of, I'm within the topic, but also a little off topic here, because one of the things I'm concerned about would be a banking crisis that could be caused by a lack of liquidity within the banks. If enough people aren't able to either pay their mortgages or pay back their loans in a timely manner, uh, you know, just making their monthly payments, one or two individuals or businesses not being able to do that probably is fine. But if you get into two or three months of several Hundred or several thousand people not being able to do that. I feel like the grains of sand kind of add up over time and that would present a very challenging situation for the banks to handle.
1: Well, one thing that does, not insure, that's the wrong word, I guess kind of at least adds a layer of protection to the banks is that most banks don't hold their mortgages. So in 2008, uh, a lot of people realize that you know when you get make a mortgage with a bank, generally the bank takes that mortgage and then sells it to someone else because the bank need wants the money now so they can make another loan so they can get another mortgage so then they can turn around and sell it. so a lot of your local or smaller banks don't hold a lot of mortgages and the same thing with loans they collateralize them uh, and then they, you know, pack, they sell them. And then someone else used to package them up and then sell it as a debt instrument. Um, so- But doesn't that sound like a um, house of cards kind of went into fall though, similar to- 2008? That's kind of what, that's this is exactly what happened in 2008 or part of it. Mm-hmm. But the flip side is, is that it also protects the banks from people not being able to pay their mortgage. So there's also- the side that it actually helps the banks too to add a layer of protection. Now that makes it so a lot of times the big holders of most of the mortgages are the ones in a lot of danger when people stop paying. So that combined with the fact that there are fewer banks now, US regulations and you know the rules that we follow sort of encourage banks to be bought up and become bigger and bigger and bigger banks. Um, Just the way U.S. law works and the way financial regulations work and the way the industry works has led to banks consolidating into a smaller number, which increased the risk. So I think that, yes, a lot of banks could get into trouble, but I don't think it's going to come about as quickly as some people fear because generally the banks that are the most exposed are the largest and have the most resources to draw on. So in this way, maybe your little local bank is actually um, more protected against this problem. Well, I'm not sure if you
0: heard recently though about, I guess you would call him a businessman in Singapore who Mm -hmm. was recently arrested and I'm I'm trying to find his name. I think his name is uh, Hin Leong. He was an oil trader Mm -hmm. and he just took out a bunch of loans from many, many, many different banks. HSBC was one of the biggest lenders to him. Yeah. I think he had taken over $800 million maybe or possibly Mm -hmm. even more in loans. And recently it was discovered that he had lied on his applications about how many people were lending him money and how much money he had to pay back and he's not able to repay the loans recently. Yeah. So he's in trouble. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> he's yeah, he's in a little bit
0: of trouble. Have you heard of him? I heard about this, yes. He's part of the Hinlyong trading uh HLT firm. Yeah. Um, either way, he's got some explaining to do. And I I think it was HSBC or I'm not sure, but a lot of banks I heard, especially HSBC, was one of the banks that that had lended him the most. <clears throat> um if you see more cases like him pile up. He's yeah, fulfilled- that's
1: actually, that's a more, uh, that's probably for many banks, he's a bigger danger than somebody not paying their mortgage. Okay. He, cause he's a bigger danger. A lot of times personal loans, this is why they have usually a higher interest rate, probably will rack up bigger damages quicker, right? Because mm-hmm. at least with a mortgage, there's collateral. There's the house itself. You know, it's a secured loan. There's, you know, you have the as collateral.
0: Now, now, yes. Not to cut you off though, but what if, uh, I hate to go off on a tangent though, but w- I mean, what if somebody had also d- done or performed some fraud with their house and they've promised it to several different banks too. So when all the banks come to seize the collateral, they figure out they're arguing with somebody else, <laughs> another lender oh, fighting over the scraps. Does that happen
1: or... It happens in some countries.
0: What do they do? Yes. Got to flip a coin to figure out who, who gets to keep the house so after this guy
1: the, goes up yeah. the river? Um, so, the United States has systems in place to make that extremely difficult to uh, pull that type of fraud okay. because of the way our titling system works. Now, in the past, this used to be a more common scam. And I believe, and I've heard of it still happening in other countries. These are generally um, smaller, poorer countries, let's put it. Okay. Uh, you know, maybe a country where a prince would send you an email saying he's going to leave you with <laughs> fortune. <Okay>. you know <laughs> um, So in a lot of countries, though, the titling system and the way titles work protect or basically make it very hard to pull this type of fraud. Okay. Um, so you're not gonna see this type of fraud on housing. This type of fraud is much more common on like the personal and individual level. Like, you know, the person who's trying to get a business loan and list his suits as an asset. That guy.
0: And now back to Hind you're saying this gentleman, uh, if we can call him that, is more of a threat through the banks, people in his situation. So because he doesn't have, you don't still, he has enough collateral to nothing tangible, no
1: assets that they can- Well, he has assets, but it's much more complicated to, in most countries, I don't know about Singapore's laws. uh, In most countries, it's much more complicated to see someone's personal assets that are not collateral on a loan. Now, maybe he listed some collateral, collateral. I don't know about this case but it usually is more complicated with personal loans like that. Okay.
0: And you saw recently that Shell was cutting dividends for the first time since World War II.
1: Yep. And you they're mentioned the, earlier, uh, go ahead. They're not the only company doing that. There was a few companies that have cut dividends. Um, this happens during economic downturns. Um I mean, it happens for lots of reasons. It can happen because a company's not doing well. There are companies who they just have too high a dividend and that for the financial health of the company, they need to cut it. Um, but there's usually a lot of resistance to cutting dividends um, for, well, it makes your company look bad. It's bad PR. <laughs> your stock yeah. usually, uh, your stock usually jumps off a cliff
0: well if that's the case this is probably
1: the perfect time for them to cut dividends though since it's already i think kind of far off the yeah, i think for a lot of companies this is if you wanted to cut your dividends now is the time to do it because the thing is is that how bad does it make you look instead everybody's like oh my god it's so bad they had to cut dividends versus like oh shit the company's in trouble they're cutting dividends i'm running so they have a and- good excuse
0: and Norway recently spent a trillion dollars on U.S. stocks. And I love Norway. So, you know, there's just not anything else about them. We're just discussing this aspect.
1: <laughs> is that a good investment in your, in your in your opinion? Well, I don't know what they put it into, and I don't think they were very open, or at least I didn't see anything. I just heard the title. Yeah, same um, here.
0: I'm, in fact, uh, while you're talking, I'll look it up and see if I can get more.
1: Yeah, so I stuff. think in general it's a good idea. Um, oh, really? I think okay. that I think that there were a lot of there's probably a lot of funds, a lot of people, in a lot of countries um, who were looking for a bottom, right? You know, they're looking for a low price to buy in after this all started. You know, Norway's—I'm guessing it's their sovereign wealth fund that did this—has um, lots of cash. They have cash. You know, why not move it into a more productive asset? So finding a place where you can buy it at a good price. I mean, I was doing the same thing. While the stock was falling, I was buying, you know, looking for some type of bottom. I, didn't even, I, don't, I don't plan on using my money for years and years and years that's in the stock market. So I didn't really care if it was the absolute bottom. It was just, hey, it's on sale. I'm buying it. It's cheaper. Oh, it's on sale. I'm buying it. It's cheaper and you know now it's coming back up and i think there are a lot of people who think we've seen the bottom okay
0: i i will say on the record i disagree with those people yeah um but again we already established i'm a bit more pessimistic
1: yeah Uh, i i I, there's plenty of people who also think this is not the bottom uh, although i will
0: also add in case anybody thinks i've always been this way i haven't he has Uh, No. Uh, Now, I have been for most of the time that I've known Dylan, um, but in general, like if you looked at the past decade, the majority of the time I wasn't uh, pessimistic. But uh, I don't know, recently I just feel sometimes, you know, there's, again, I always said don't panic, but I believe it was Gandalf in Lord of the Rings who said something to the effect of, Sometimes fear is the appropriate response. <laughs> and so, I, again, I'm not encouraging people to be afraid or panic, but sometimes I feel pessimism is the appropriate response, although usually it's not. Uh, generally, I would agree with you. Just we find ourselves in a very special situation currently where I think a little bit of um, conservative, you know, pessimism might go a long way just for this specific situation, though. So, uh, now, you did mention, and I, I confirmed it here with Bloomberg, because I was looking into Norway a little more, and they, just like you said, it, it's, it mentions that the Norwegian fund is the world's largest sovereign wealth vehicle, mm-hmm. and on average owns 1.5% of global listed equities. Yep. Uh, so. And now, I haven't, there's so much information to sift through here, so... It doesn't,
1: I don't see much as to which stocks they were buying. Um, they also might've been buying indexes. They might've bought, I think a few times they've bought index funds of certain countries. Okay. I mean, I'm,
0: I'm just I'm just sifting through it here, scanning it, and I'm seeing mention of energy companies and things of that nature, but I'm not, the next one. I'm not certain if that's the direction they're taking it. I just, uh, I had heard people more pessimistic than me Mentioning that it seemed like they were taking a more negative angle with it, and then the other angle that they've thrown out there is that Warren Buffett hasn't really been spending money on stocks recently, and he's sitting on a cash pile of 137 billion dollars
1: right now as he sits this out. What's your take on that? Um, so back in 2008, um, if you remember, Warren Buffett, you know, he was very active in buying, but I think it was an interview around 2010, or maybe two, th- maybe even later, where he basically says that he got too eager and he bought too early. Okay. So, so Warren Buffett. From Warren Buffett. I think he he's kind of a little bit like you know a lot of people who maybe have more my mentality. They see the stock market catering, and they're like, "I gotta buy! I gotta buy! I gotta buy! 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 Buy!" Well. I think he kind of did the same thing, but with a lot more money. Um, And then he realized later, like, I should have waited. So I think going off of that interview, I think that he's waiting and maybe he's hoping or thinking that, you know, maybe it will be a double bottom where the stock's going to go back down to around the same price or lower, or that maybe, you know, it's going to go back off a cliff. Or maybe he, in a few years, he's gonna say, well, I missed the parade. <laughs> and guess what? He's got enough money, he can miss the parade.
0: Well, yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, I don't want anybody to miss the parade, but uh, I will just tell them this is a scenario where you there's not gonna be a lot of people in the parade. You gotta have the really, really good timing to be part of that parade. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't there's know, I'm other, happy in
1: the parade so far.
0: Yeah, there's also a number of people who might be in a trailer park and not necessarily a parade, <laughs> depending on how they invest and when they invest. <laughs> um, I would just say the market now is so volatile that uh, I mean, don't you consider this more volatile than 2008? Definitely. I mean, we're just in the early days of it right now, and it's already yeah, yeah, more volatile almost than the worst of 2008 in a way. And I've heard some people say that 2008 isn't a good comparison. um, What I've heard is that 2001 had a financial crash that was a little more comparable to what we're seeing now, just for the fact that it also had travel restrictions after the 9-11 attacks. And so it it was like this, but on a smaller scale.
1: Yeah, that's, that's probably a fair thing. I think the problem is, is like, Every crash is kind of the same and unique at the same time. True. Like they're they're kind of the same in that there is generally um you know general pattern of you know, you get new highs, you generally have like a few days of negative, you get like a day or two of positive, and then I'm free for and then you know you go way down there's a little bit of bouncing around the bottom and then like you slowly drag yourself back up
0: now one like, thing i'll um,
1: oh, go ahead okay go ahead yeah sorry
0: well one thing um, that people listening right now didn't know but they're about to know is actually when dylan came on the show and when we were talking beforehand we didn't really discuss this a whole lot we're just kind of shooting the breeze at the moment yeah. because the main thing that we were going to discuss today relates to some recent research that you've been doing into north korea oh yeah yeah and if you go on to dylan's website at uh, debonairdylan.com you can see this uh, on well, my, yeah. my youtube
1: go to my youtube for that
0: he's also he also has a youtube video that's a little more in, in depth about north korea and their e- economy And there are just certain aspects of this North Korean story that I think are interesting, particularly this choco pie (laughs) aspect. Can you please explain what this North Korean choco pie thing
1: is? So um, I kind of, it was a bit of a throwaway line in the second video I made where I mentioned uh, that North Korea suffered uh, hyperinflation Um, from 2009 to 2011. Um, And in general, the North Korean won is not seen as a very safe currency. And for this reason... Well, (laughs) yeah. I could make a long video about that. Um, It's not seen as a very safe currency. So what happens a lot of times in countries with hyperinflation is people end up trying to move to either a different currency or some other store of wealth. Um, one of the classic examples that lots of people will think about is you know, gold. For, for example, when Germany had hyperinflation, lots of people tried to move towards gold. Silver, precious metals are popular. In post-World War II Europe, cigarettes and chocolate became money. So for example, after World War II, Um, lots of Eastern European and even Central European countries, their economy was devastated. Many of them suffered some form of hyperinflation or just there literally was no money. Things like cigarettes and chocolate ended up being used as a barter currency. So you could measure the price of something perhaps in cigarettes or chocolate. Um, At other times, alcohol has been popular. Um, so but going back Willy Wonka would have
0: literally been like a multimillionaire.
1: Yeah, Willy Wonka would have been, you know, really well off, even more well off.
0: Okay.
1: I guess he was uh, a multimillionaire. Now he'd be like yeah, Bill probably. Gates. Yeah, yeah. The chocolate version of Bill Gates. Um uh, so this is very common in countries or places suffering hyperinflation. Um so one of the assets that became very, very valuable in North Korea was choco pies. Um, so in the, no, not Cho Goshing. I think it's the Goshing industrial zone. This is basically an area where uh, other countries can open factories in North Korea and produce goods. Um, South Korea has a few of these facilities Um uh, There, China also has these facilities, and Russia did, I'm not sure if they still do. Anyway, so at this facility, um, they would produce goods that would then be sold in South Korea, and North Korean labor is cheap. These guys are cheap, you don't have to pay very much for them. Um, However, there was a lot of restrictions. So one thing that was normal in South Korea, is giving bonuses. However, the law in North Korea does not allow you to give cash bonuses. So, they would give them choco pies as a bonus. And so, they figured, you know, probably the South Koreans figured, oh, they'll eat the choco pie, share them with their family, and they'll like them. Choco pies ended up almost becoming a currency. They're kind of like Twinkies, right? You remember Zombieland? uh i've seen the first one a long time ago okay i've only seen the first one so remember how he spent a lot of the movie looking for twinkies
0: yes was that woody harrelson
1: yeah 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 he was looking for twinkies and twinkies don't go bad okay
0: chocolate that makes perfect pies sense in a zombie, zombie apocalypse oh really yeah, chocolate yeah.
1: pies don't necessarily chocolate go pies, bad they take a long time to go bad because they're in think about it they're heavily processed and they're in a um, they're basically in like a aluminum tinfoil, foil like a, they're basically in a bag just like a Twinkie so like bugs and stuff aren't getting on them it's an airtight bag so the choco pies will stay good for a long time. It's like space food. Yeah basically um, so this is one of the things you need for a currency you need something that stays good it doesn't you know depreciate or it doesn't like become worthless over time um, and so the Choco Pie was able to fill this rule, and they were exchangeable. There was market exchange rates for Choco Pies.
0: To be honest, honestly, you're starting to sell me on Choco Pies as a potential I, like, backup?
1: I was like, like, everybody like part- talking
0: about, Everybody's talking about gold and silver. I'm like, actually, this Choco Pie stuff is making sense to me because we can, we can create an infinite supply of Choco
1: Pies. Well, that would drive the value down. I don't know. Well, so <laughs> the choco pie became like a big deal in North Korea for a while. And then eventually the North Korean authorities told them they couldn't hand out choco pie bonuses anymore. No choco pie for you. So guess what happened? It, it became a black market. No? It was already being sold on the black market. So The value shot up. Oh, no wonder. now – there were no more choco pies being brought in by these South Korean factories and given to the workers. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, and I'm actually going to make a video about it. But if I remember correctly, I saw a number that near the... At one point, choco pies were trading for nearly 10 US dollars each on the black market. That's a lot of money in North Korea, isn't it? That's a lot of money in North Korea. That's about... That's a lot of one... It's about
0: um, 5,000,000 <laughs>
1: No, it's about 20,000 Oh, that's still exorbitant. Okay. That's that's still, yeah. That's still like, depending on like what day you take the exchange rate from, that's still a lot of money. That's still more money than most of these people are making in a day.
0: Well, it's funny because, um, not to get off topic again, but there's this game called Animal Crossing, which I'm sure you've heard about. Yeah, I've now. heard about it. They have a system that they call the stock market s-t-a-l-k like a plant because you're buying and trading turnips
1: (laughs) okay all right in the
0: game you can play on the stock markets by you know buying and selling uh, turnips and hopefully making a profit but anyway this chocolate pie thing
1: sounds eerily similar this this is not uncommon when you think about it in history where you know, some type of thing, everybody wants it. If it becomes rare, now it goes up. So it's comparable to a collector's market, right? You collect things, right? Yes. Many right? Things. Very many things. things, usually. I, I collect lots of stupid stuff too. Pokemon um, cards. Yeah. Um, but generally, the less of something there is, the more its value is going to be. But there also has to be demand. Right, you know, something can be very rare, but if nobody cares, it's not worth anything. Um, so it's kind of the same thing. Once the, everybody wanted these Choco Pies because they they taste pretty good. They also saw them as a store of value that, that was appreciated against the one. Um, and now you couldn't get any. You know, it's just like, um, do you collect Fuku Pops? Me? Yeah, do you collect Fuku Pops? Pops? You know those Sounds like so familiar. Yeah, one of my some of my friends collect these. Is it things. a Japanese uh, like bottle cap I, or is is that a is
0: that, a, I, is that an ice cream? I bet it's,
1: no, it's like a it's a little doll of like a character. So like there's like Spider Man and Thor and stuff like I oh fun Japanese.
0: oh okay I thought those were called Funko pops maybe
1: just maybe Funko. I don't know I don't I collect Funko
0: yeah I, I don't collect them I have like three of them but I don't collect them I mean just those three of characters that I liked because yeah. they were like five bucks maybe just yeah. from so i don't know you got me <laughs> no, I, I don't know either now <laughs> i don't know i know what you're talking about They're those little bobblehead uh large head large headed uh, with like the button eyes you know chibi versions yeah, yeah, of,
1: yeah. of famous uh, actors or characters chibi version yeah i was looking for like the word where it's like it looks cute and like it's you know belongs in some kid's show um So like kind of the same way where something starts out, you know, people notice, hey, somebody's willing to pay more for them now than they did earlier. Or go, if I buy one now, somebody will be willing to pay more later. So this is how trends start, like Beanie Babies. Remember Beanie Babies got huge.
0: Unfortunately, I I do because my family bought so many beanie babies hoping to get rich on reselling them and it didn't it really didn't pan out
1: right same thing it eventually the price got decimated i imagine we'll say the same thing with a lot of other collectibles so uh, you know not to get again i'm all i'm on the master at getting off topic
0: here but i'm blaming it on i'm blaming it on you this time since you mentioned beanie babies isn't the yeah. guy who created beanie babies the ty whatever guy his name is um didn't he commit like some sort of fraud? Yeah, he went to court. He had to pay a lot of money because wasn't he driving up the price of Beanie Babies by withholding them and, and manipulating the supply?
1: I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it would make sense. You should look into that. He did.
0: He, I remember he had to pay like a lot of legal fees and pay a big fine for, for some sort of fraud involving the Beanie Baby company. And then that was basically after that, that was kind of when the whole Beanie Baby empire collapsed and it became just another toy company
1: okay but, yeah. yeah i mean people, we, we
0: might need to come back with that do some research i,
1: on that. I did I, I feel like this will be because i found out that like originally i made that first video about north korean money i was like okay then i'll make a second one about like the after effects of 2009 and like why that was such a big deal and then i was like nah now i should make one about what's going on now and that mess with their economy And I'm like, you know what? I should put a video about the Choco Pies because that's just funny.
0: Yeah, and speaking of Choco Pies, somebody who looks like they eat a lot of those is our buddy Kim Jong-un over there in North Korea.
1: Yeah, uh, he's he's quite the character, right? (laughs) A lot of people complain about
0: him, and I'm definitely not a fan, but it's kind of weird because he didn't start it. He's like he didn't start all these atrocities of which there are many. I mean, you can watch documentaries about it where these people are suffering in these labor camps over there Mm -hmm. and, you know, being forced under these extraordinary conditions to just do a lot of inhumane things, especially like the guards who work in those camps are super Mm -hmm. awful people. But I mean, this whole thing was started by his, not to let him off the hook. I'm just saying for Kim Jong-un, his grandfather started this, right? I mean, did he even meet his, his grandfather?
1: Un, from what we know, Un knew his grandfather, but he was not close to his grandfather. So basically, Kim Jong-un was sent along with his sister and his older brother to go to school in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are some postulations that the reason for this was because of issues between uh, Kim Il-sung, that's the founder of the dynasty, and Kim Jong-un, uh sorry kim jong il kim jong un's father that there was some sort of tension going on there and that il kind of wanted the kids away from sung and sung's influences um really yes now wait so but,
0: il also was not a fan of his own father cuz each each generation here seems to get drift further away from the previous
1: a little yes. bit yes um so Go ahead. We the problem with this is so like I'm not an I wouldn't call myself an expert in the Kim Dynasty. I kind of follow them like my wife follows. Yeah, like my fa my wife follows whatever celebrity family she's following now. Um, However, at least the great thing about Western celebrities is they tell you everything about their life. The Kim Dynasty is very secretive. Um, For example, we pretty much know Kim Jong Un has three kids. Okay. We don't know their name. I didn't
0: know that. Yes. It's funny you mention that because I speculated with my wife uh, like a week ago, you know, when there was speculation about his health. I personally didn't feel like he was dead, but there was speculation. And, and I was thinking, well, does he even have any kids? And I told my wife, I don't think he, d- if he does, maybe it's with some little peasant woman out in the middle of who knows where. Like the kid's identity is probably not known. But now you you're
1: confirming it? Like that, he does. Well, we know he has kids and we suspect that there are three. Okay. Hmm. Um, w- Now, we don't actually know their names. Um, other than I think the oldest is chosen i think the oldest they mentioned his name at one point and people aren't even sure if that's really his name
0: is that with his current wife that you see in the photo ops or like doesn't he have like two wives an ex-wife who disappeared and then recently came back no no no
1: that that, it's been the same wife she disappeared for a while and speculation was that she was pregnant um if you look at photos of her from 2017 she is definitely pregnant um her name is Ri Solju, but we don't think that's her real name. Hmm. Hmm. Um, there's also speculation that she was a singer. Um, she might have traveled actually overseas at different points. Um, it's believed that she might have been in one of those uh, bands, you know, those bands that they had during yeah. Il's period that were uh, intent for like going overseas and propaganda. It's believed that she was a singer in that band she supposedly has three kids hmm. we're not super sure um they have a daughter that's the only i'm looking at it now that's the only one that they have a name of
0: okay so it's a confirmed their daughter and then supposedly a son named like chosen
1: <laughs> yeah but like there's and then not, maybe some another kid there's yeah, so we're not sure. some people say one, some people say two, some people say three. It's a little bit of a debate um, but they're they're very secretive. Um, so, for example, you know Kim Jong Un, when he was in Switzerland, he was living there under a fake name. Um, you know, so was his sister, so was his older brother. Yeah, so
0: he, he actually looked kind of handsome back in the day.
1: Yeah, like, he actually, like, uh, he liked basketball, um, stuff like that. Um, he was mediocre in school, according to interviews with his teacher. Well, that's nice of him to throw him under the bus like that. Yeah, well, like, you know, he wasn't, he was not, his teacher was like, a, he was an outstanding student. he just wasn't remarkable wasn't he wasn't just according to the teacher they interviewed the only thing remarkable about him was his basketball playing wow that he had a really mean jump shot
0: but you feel he's done better and i would agree but you feel he's done better for north korea as far as leadership goes than even than his father not that that's a high bar to
1: cross but Uh, I would say at least, I mean, I have more know about the economy of North Korea than anything, that he has certainly done a better job. Um, In the last video I made, I kind of mentioned that he inherited a government that was just, a country that was just getting out of hyperinflation. And there was still inflation. Rice prices were still rising, Um, rice being the main commodity that people eat. Um, The currency was about as weak as it was going to get. But he also ended up putting in lots of economic programs that helped the country. It helped the country's food production. It helped the country uh, basically stabilize and it has led to more, a wealthier country. Um, You know, I also, this is a little bit of a fringe opinion, I guess, is I don't think North Korea's economy hurting was one of the reasons why Kim Jong-un decided to negotiate. I don't think the economy was one of the reasons that a lot of people oh. Are like, oh, you know, they have so many sanctions, they've got to negotiate. I don't think the sanctions did it. What did it? I think it was partially personal desire. What, to like open up to the rest of the world? and Well, I think that it was, yeah, A, open up. And a B. I B, I also wonder if, you know, he's – He cares about his image, actually? He cares Uh. about his image. He actually is closer to the people. Like, so one of the things that's weird is if you look up his father, you don't really find images of his father doing stuff, right? His father kind of just hung out in the palace and, you know, got bellicose occasionally with the neighbors, right? Where Kim Jong-un, it's pretty normal to see photos of him like, going to an amusement park, meeting people, being out in the city, you know, riding around. He's not sequestered away from, you know, the population like he's, you know, some Chinese emperor the same way his father was, right? Well, the thing with
0: him is, uh, although, again, I gave him a little bit of leeway there since he didn't start this and he wasn't even the, the next in line. He's like the next, next person in line. So he's it seems to me further detached from the evilness and the atrocities of what begat this empire or whatever you want to call it, this dynasty. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, I do feel like, uh, unfortunately for him, that name does have a terrible legacy. And I, I'm just curious, is there anybody who like, if, if, if North Korea opened up, would he, here's the weird thing a lot of people are always like oh we need to get rid of him I'm like well it's not that simple you leave a vacuum behind you can't just press the emergency brake on this at any minute that that could cause more damage than just kind of slowly transitioning and you know but is there going to be like a phase out where maybe he moves into the background and could you see somebody else uh you know taking on the torch would he become like a monarch where he doesn't do anything he's just like a symbol or does he have to eventually fade out entirely for North Korea to grow?
1: I, I, I okay, this is, this is getting way into speculation.
0: Okay.
1: What I suspect is, and maybe his way of trying to play it, is that, you know, he was thinking of North Korea basically becoming, yes, yeah, something like a monarchy or something like an authoritarian state where there's one family that just keeps passing on centralized power. But being more open. I think that that is maybe, if he was going to open up the country, his ideal. But I don't think he's actually as, I think he wants to open up the country, but not open it up in maybe the way you're thinking or that most people would think. I think that his idea of opening up the country is it being more economically connected to the region, not in the sense of like, oh, come visit North Korea, it's nice. I mean, yeah, there is some tourism, and tourism increased under Un. Um, But I don't think he's talking about opening it up in the sense of it's going to become a democracy or something like that. I think that his end goal is that it remains an authoritarian country. And also, if the country becomes... Um, if the country becomes wealthier and the country becomes less closed off, that can also be a pressure release, right? Where, you know, the people who are unhappy leave, right? That's basically how Singapore works as a authoritarian state. The people who are unhappy go away, right?
0: Okay. So basically it's, you're thinking that maybe it'll remain Authoritarian. Uh, not to throw Singapore under the bus, but uh, I mean, it, it's yeah. not even remotely the same. But you know, but it was more strict than other countries. And yeah. the idea is, you you're guessing they might have this policy where, okay, we're not going to force you to stay like we used to. You're not, you know, you can come and you can go if you want. But no, uh, you, can yeah, you can't better, come we're, back.
1: We're, but you can go. not come back.
0: Yeah. So like, we're better off without you because you're ruining the party. You're
1: ruining the illusion. Get out of here. And also I think that just a little bit might placate a lot of the detractors, right? You notice how like South Korea, uh, sorry, North Korea got more relaxed about imports from South Korea that are cultural, like music. And at the same time, you started to see them imitate the same thing where they started creating their own pop bands. You know, this isn't just because kim jong-un and a few other people on the top level like listening to that music it's also to placate the large masses right and i mean one thing you mentioned earlier about kim being a little
0: more connected at least on the surface to the citizens there is if anybody's thinking that we're therefore sympathizing with him it's not. We're just saying. In fact, that 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 in and of itself is a manipulation on his behalf. You know, because he has to adapt to the times. You, yes. you can't keep that iron fist forever. You got to kind of loosen up eventually. No matter if it was him, him or his father, eventually you kind of gotta, you know, loosen up a bit. Uh, so it doesn't necessarily mean he's benevolent or being nice or not self-serving by doing that. It just is a statement of a fact that he's more, um, you know. Connected, or at least more willing to put
1: himself out there with his people than. And also, previous. the imagery that he uses yeah. are much more. Well, I think yes. like particularly. It's a different here.
0: strategy, but same. He does have the same overall goal
1: to control and maintain yeah.
0: power that his that his family did. So, I Sometimes also think. Never change. Yeah, I uh, also think his
1: father was losing the thread near the end. Because like, um, his father, you know, had suffered strokes and had a lot of those types of problems. So I also wonder if near the end, how much his father really got what was going on. <laughs> really?
0: Like, yeah. You think he was just
1: like the military guys were pretty much calling the shots or? Uh, it, I think I a lot of his, I think a lot of his intercircle circle of advisors was calling a lot of the shots. And I think that's also why when Kim came to power, it was so violent. Because I think what happened is, is that a lot of his – a lot of his father's upper level felt like, okay, we'll just control this kid and, like, he can have fun, you know, being, Jet skiing and – Yeah, yeah, like, you know. Well, I don't, he, I don't know if he's jet skiing, but – Not jet skiing. Like, yeah, he can just ride, ride his horses, have fun, you know, have his cars and stuff like that. We'll just, play yeah. basketball and, you know, stuff like that. Where what actually happened was when Un came to power, it was kind of violent. A lot of his father's inner circle either retired or were suddenly found to have committed crimes. Right? Like his own uncle. Oh, yeah, like, I heard about that. His own oh,
0: uncle. Conflicting things. I heard one said he fed him to dogs somebody said he was uh brought out in front of like a fighter airplane and
1: executed or something and another claim said he's still
0: alive and doing well so i don't
1: know well they might they might be any of them might be true um but i right,
0: make he got bit by a dog They threatened him with a, with, a, with a military jet or something and then at the end he just kind of took himself out of the picture and rolled over and maybe he's yeah still okay and well, he's still alive i don't know maybe who knows but, but i know what you mean it, it is true though there was this clean up this like a shakedown when kim jong-un came into power no matter which what no matter what you believe is true or not it is a fact there was a shakedown when he yeah. came in that's another thing where it does seem like he kind of takes his role a little more seriously than kim jong Il in that regard
1: yeah, well, and so he basically removed his father's previous advisors from power. You notice that almost all of his inner circle are in his generation, with a few exceptions.
0: So now we were talking about, or at least the media had been talking about, his supposedly failing health, which again, he doesn't look like a healthy guy anyway, so that's not like, that's wouldn't be surprising. But there was always this speculation about who would... You know, assume the mantle. Who would take the throne if something were to happen to him? Would you, do you subscribe to the theory that his sister would be next in line, or do you think one of his kids would come out of the shadows at that point? Or,
1: well, his oldest kid is too young. How old would his oldest oldest, kid be? Like 10? 10? Okay. So his oldest kid would be about 10. So there could be some sort of regency type system where. A lot of his inner circle acts as a regent until one of the kids is old enough to take power. Um, now, the problem with that is it's the same as with Un coming to power, is that generally the regency ends up being the power even later in life because the kid is just used to like show up, look nice, take a photo, show up, go play with your toys, show up go take a photo, go play with your toys. And years and years and years of this kind of conditions them to basically do what the Regency says. Um, so that's one option. Um, there is a sister, Yo Um, She certainly, she's on the inside. She's close to him. She met um, Donald Trump, I saw she that. She met Donald Trump, she, she's been to South Korea. She was also schooled in Switzerland. Um, in fact, a lot of people believe that for a long time, it was just her and oon in Switzerland after um, Pyong-il left. Pyong-il is Kim Jong-un's older brother. Is that the guy who got- Oh, wait, wait, uh, no, t- no, no, sorry. Sorry, Chong, no, Yang chol Young chol is his older brother.
0: Is he the one who made an unfortunate demise uh, on some, what he
1: like- No, 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 and- no, that's his half brother. Okay. That's his half brother that, uh sniff some weird stuff that he should not have been sniffing
0: well i mean not that he had a choice. some Vietnamese yeah i mean he was forced there. to sniff some weird <laughs> stuff yeah uh, that, uh, that that in and of itself that whole thing was bizarre but so his sister though like this i mean would it be a logical conclusion for her to step into that role because i will say that some people have surmised that oh they speculated North Korea is so backwards and sexist they can't accept a female leader. I don't think so. I think I think as long as she's part of that Kim family, if, if she has a strong enough, uh, she makes a strong enough impression out of the box, you know, out of the get go, I think that I don't think the people the you know, the the normal everyday citizens would have much of a problem with, with that. And one of their main broadcasters who basically says all the the Kim dynasty talking points every morning this is this very robust you know, a woman who's been doing it for like, whatever she's, she's every, every morning. So I mean-
1: Starts with good morning every morning.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you know, she's a very domineering lady. So I I, I, f- I think they could accept uh, his sister as a leader, but- I think so. Um, but I mean, what's the
1: likelihood though, of her She I think, that far? I think she's in a good position for a few reasons. Um. First off, she is very close to her brother. She is on the central standing committee of the Politburo. Uh, also, she has marriage connections. So her father-in-law was was one of the big-time generals. Um, her husband, we're not quite exactly sure what he does, but we think he's important.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, he seems to be in the military and important. Um, from what we can gather, but we're not quite sure. He might be, we think he's a general. He might be one of the generals. We're not 100% sure. Um, so we have that going on. She does have the connection. She does have the name. So she does look like a good choice if they were just going to pick a new leader. Um, now there's other people that are in the woodworks. So there's the other guy, Pong Il um that's his brother right yeah pong no pong il is his uncle his oh. other uncle not the machine gun to uncle okay so pong il is pong il you know he didn't he lost out to kim jong il he was an ambassador for a long time um you know he has much more, his connections are much more among the bureaucracy though. So he was an ambassador for a long time. He's an old name. He doesn't seem to have the same number of connections though. So he's also a contender. um, And I don't think, I don't know. I don't think he's as likely to get it. I don't think uh, Young Chul is an option at all. Um, i don't even know what he's up to he like disappeared is that the brother who like went to disneyland or that's something? the brother like, who went to disneyland on a fake passport yep and
0: then got caught uh, yeah he should probably never show his face in public again
1: after he, that. it's hard to be taken seriously after that
0: it is kind of hard.
1: i mean but also as most people point out is like he doesn't care he doesn't seem to care.
0: Well, I mean, why would he's got, he's
1: still got tons of
0: money, I'm sure. He know.
1: basically, from what I think I've ever heard about him, he just kind of sits around and listens to music and plays guitar.
0: Did <laughs> they just pay him to sit in the corner? Uh,
1: I, I don't know if they pay him, but I think he, like, he probably has a house or probably more of a mansion and he just uh, kind of hangs out there and uh. doesn't re-
0: now I kept seeing these memes though of his, uh, Kim Jong Un's sister, and people were comparing her to this lady from uh, well this this uh, politician from Russia, Natalie uh, Natalia Polon. What's her name? Uh, Polonets
1: Polonetsky, I think. Polonetsky. Yes. And,
0: and before that, I had no idea who this chick was because I saw this meme of her and. A picture of this like you know blonde woman and then uh what's the, what's Kim's sister's name Young Il? Young Yeah. Young Il. Uh, yeah there's this, just this picture of them like they were pretending that it was a manga series like rival schools and I was just saying who's the the blonde chick I don't I know I know Kim Jong-un's sister but who's this one and somebody said oh that's this politician from Russia. Mm-hmm what's going on with her why is she so she she high up in the military over
1: in russia or okay so she's um she's got an interesting story so she was born in ukraine during the soviet union and she was a prosecutor in the ukraine however she you know how ukraine had their uh revolution Mm -hmm. she she was basically on the losing side oh She was on the losing side. So she went to Crimea, which was then seized by Russia. And Crimea, sorry. She was, went to Crimea, which was seized by Russia and she was appointed a prosecutor there. And there was this very famous, not famous. That's not, there was this very viral like meme worthy press conference. And that's where most of those pictures of her in a prosecutor's uniform, um with like you know her short blonde hair and her basically answering questions and talking and she would have been in her oh god she would have been in her late 20s or early 30s at this point okay um but she so, made a good impression i mean she made was she like very, no nonsense or was she, she... Was very like serious i guess she made a really good impression a lot of people looked at her and was like wow she's cute because she was pretty young at the time um yeah she would have been early 30s i think So then it became a meme of, like, people drawing pictures of her, particularly in, like, a more anime style. Okay. Um, And it basically got forgotten for a while. Um, Eventually, she became a nationalized Russian citizen. When she was 36, she got elected into the drama, making her the youngest member of the drama at the time. Um, And she's still in Russian politics today. And then basically everybody remembered her when they started making pictures of Una. Like, hey, who was that Russian girl?
0: Yeah, I mean, they would make a good team, honestly. If, <laughs> at least in, in a movie,
1: they would. That would make a great movie. Visual. Although it's funny because like the image of Natalie that's being used is like quite old now. Yeah, I mean, like, she doesn't look like that anymore. Well, like she doesn't even have the same hairstyle anymore. <laughs> yeah, because
0: I, I, when I did a, a Google search for her, yeah. I almost thought I was looking at two
1: different people. I'm like, wait, which one is her? i like, oh, they're both her. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a long distance apart. This was, you know, this has been quite a few years between these two. So most of the image you see of Natalie are old ones from like when she was a prosecutor. Is she the one whose face is half paralyzed or? Yes. She uh, survived an attempt on her life and part of her face is paralyzed. Wow. Um, so yeah I, i'm not sure which side but like actually if you watch the video of her the famous video of her very carefully you can see that like one side of her face doesn't move as much and that's the side that got paralyzed it was an assassin from a gang that she was prosecuting she was a prosecutor oh that prosecuting kind of thing the gang and then the gang pulled a hit on her that didn't work she was found like half dead in like a st- in the stairwell of the building she lived in but she ended up surviving I don't know how I'm going to
0: cut this into the conversation, but and you, and when you were talking about the scarcity of things, I, I mean, it's not impossible, but I mean, it's kind of stupid to say it's not impossible because technically nothing is impossible. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I, I don't remember who it was, but there was some e- economist that everybody was raving about. Like, a, I don't know, a year ago, I looked into him and he was really big on this idea that the market's going to crash and we're going to go back to like a, like a, post or pre-industrial kind of agrarian style and i just don't i don't see that happening not 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 in a widespread way though it just doesn't seem practical
1: no well i think it's it's it it, it, to have that happen it predicates on so many systems completely falling apart well that
0: and the way they speak about it is is they're on the one hand they're pessimistic because they just see a total you know i mean i could see a collapse of everything where there's an economic reset but um they almost speak about it in a romantic sense like oh we're gonna go back to the good old i'm like dude that's not the good old days what are you talking about
1: what are you talking about you're not gonna
0: you're not gonna have a little now it might be fine if you and your wife have a little garden somewhere but there's probably gonna be some warlord you're going to be a peasant, man. He's going to take your property, and he's going to use it to make uh, – to grow turnips and chocolate yeah. pies.
1: And, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I don't, I don't see that happening anytime soon. But No. no I, well, at least not on a wide scale. I mean we've had places that fall apart and return to almost subsistence-level agriculture. We've seen that in parts of Central Africa where like there's a civil war and everything gets wrecked and like the interior of the country basically looks like, you know, neo-feudalism. But we're
0: quite a long ways from that, I think, in a lot of countries. Uh, Yeah. Anywho. So people can find you at debonairdillon.com and also find your YouTube page. Other than that, everybody, you can also go to unitedsquid.com to follow us for news articles. And also, of course, you can find us on pretty much every social media platform, YouTube, Facebook, you name it. And we will catch you later.
1: Bye. Bye Bye-bye. See you next time.